Hey y'all, and welcome back to Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Lacey Dunn, registered dietitian, here to spread the scientific knowledge in the worlds of fitness and nutrition. I'm so excited about today's episode, so make sure you listen in and get ready to learn. back to Uplift Fit Nutrition. Today's guest is Vivian Allred. She is a holistic nutritionist and I am so beyond excited to have her on to share her wealth of knowledge. I have been following her on social media, listening to her different podcasts and you guys, she is jam-packed with so much knowledge and she provides it too to help others on a day-to-day basis. So thank you so much Vivian for coming on my podcast and for taking your time to share your knowledge. You're welcome. Thanks, Lacey. I'm excited to chat with you. It feels like we already know each other because I know that we connect on um, Instagram quite frequently. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited. So I wanted to start the podcast by asking you about who you are, your background, and what got you into holistic nutrition. It's a bit of a long story, so I'll keep it as short as possible. Um, It all really started when I turned like 17, 18. Prior to that, I never had an issue with food, didn't have an issue with body image, um, pretty healthy overall. And then I started to feel a little bit self-conscious, like most people go through in the teenage years. And then I decided to join a gym. And when I really start to enjoy something and see benefits, I really have a bit of an obsessive personality. So three days a week at the gym became five to six days a week. And then one class became back to back strength training and then like hit training and it was just a little bit too much combining that with restricting my food um a little bit to lose weight but I didn't really understand nutrition too much either so I was thinking I was healthy eating like cereal and bran flakes and low-fat yogurts and I just wasn't fueling my needs correctly and I suspect a lot of maybe your audience have gone through something similar maybe yourself as well um, and then I ended up losing my period, uh, my skin broke out in crazy acne, my hair started falling out. I wasn't really concerned about the missing periods, I didn't really care at the time, um, but my issue and my concern was my skin. I'd always had really clear skin and this was really devastating and combined with the hair loss, my hair had always been thick and lovely and then all of a sudden I was dealing with all of these problems and um, so after about four months my mum actually forced me to go to the doctors because of my missing period and based on some lab work and an ultrasound and combining that with my symptoms I was diagnosed with PCOS and told to either wait and see what happens and if I was obviously to continue with what I was doing I wasn't given any nutritional lifestyle advice so that probably meant that I was going to get worse or I could go on the pill and that would magically clear up my uh, my symptoms, I was told. Um, and it was going to bring back my period and clear up my skin and stop my hair loss. So obviously, I, I chose the, the birth control pill, which I stayed on for a couple of years. Um, and then I went to the US to work at a summer camp as a camp counsellor and doing aerobics and yoga teacher tra- uh, training to the, the kids there. And the intense heat, the long working days, the um, just working out all day long. And I was trying to be healthy at the camp as well. So that's pretty hard at a children's summer camp. There's like burgers and pizzas and fried chicken. And I would just survive on like salad and oatmeal and um, just some salads and things, which wasn't enough again. 
And then I started to um, develop really bad digestive symptoms because in the last couple of weeks of my trip, I got really bad food poisoning twice in a week. And after coming home and seeking help from a nutritional therapist myself, we did testing and we figured out that I had a ton of issues, parasites, um, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, yeast overgrowth, severe nutrient deficiencies. And I really wanted to come off the pill after she educated me on the potential downsides of that. And then over the years, like my journey inspired me to train and study to become a nutritional therapist as well. Because when I was learning about all of this, I'm like, why why is no one talking about the harmful effects of the pill and what actual nutrition looks like and that IBS can be caused by parasites in your gut or food sensitivities? I just had no idea that food could really affect me in that way. So now um, that I am fully qualified nutritional therapist, that's what I work with. Um, a lot of hormone imbalances and people who are seeking answers who aren't getting help from the conventional doctors. Goodness, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I know so many women have to struggle with being told these umbrella diagnoses, whether that be IBS, PCOS, um, or just not given the right labs or help that they need. And so I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. But way to just conquer everything that you've been through and then use that to help others. Exactly. And at the time, I was like really depressed, obviously, um, I just wanted to be like my friends. I actually lost a lot of friends in the process as well because I couldn't go out and go out for meals and go out drinking and partying. So I would just be stuck at home all weekend with my parents. And at the time that was really um, hard for me to go through. But now looking back, I understand that everything's happened for a reason. And um, that's really just put me on my path because before I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And I knew I wanted to help people, but I just didn't know that this was even a career. So I'm actually happy that I went through those things. And now I'm just trying to prevent people from going down a similar path. Oh, that's amazing. And hands down, you put out so many different resources, specifically for PCOS. And a lot of women that are diagnosed with PCOS, and I've done a lot of podcasts on it, they know that it's that umbrella diagnosis. They know there's different types of PCOS. And so many practitioners... And it angers me. Push out their, like this one diet, this one protocol for PCOS. I'm like, that's not the case. Diet should always be individualized. So thank you for being a good resource and a knowledgeable, knowledgeable resource for adequate help with these different disease states. You're welcome. I'm happy. I'm, I love the work that I do. And the first time that I went to the doctors, as I said, I wasn't asked at all about my diet and lifestyle. And I was actually the fittest I'd ever been um, physically. So I had visible abs and I looked the picture of health. I was always told that my blood pressure was very low, but that was a good thing because I was an athlete, <laughs> which looking back, I had like severe adrenal fatigue, um, mm. but that's a whole nother issue. And I was very underweight for my height and because I'm tall and I was still in the health, quote, healthy BMI range they didn't think twice and they didn't know what to recommend because usually for PCOS, um, the majority of women are overweight and do have those physical um, imbalances with their metabolism. But because I was underweight or of a normal weight and looked really healthy, they didn't really know what to say. So they didn't give me any advice at all. Which is so sad and disgusting is that doctors kind of like try and put people into a box and try and match everybody into some diagnosis. And if you don't fit that mold or criteria, then they're like, oh, well, 
you don't fit that mold or criteria, so I don't know what to do with you, so here's this random umbrella diagnosis, or here, try and go to this doctor, see what they say. Oh, it's such a struggle. Exactly, and for some people, if they have severe, um, severely high cortisol, or they have some of these stress-based um, adrenals, being pro- uh, androgens being produced from the adrenals, telling that person to exercise even more intensely and restrict their diet even more it's actually going to make their pcos worse so that's the problem some people do respond well to just cleaning up their diet a little bit and moving a little bit more if they're very sedentary and overweight um, pre-diabetes all of that but for a lot of women especially the people who i work with are already eating a really good diet sometimes a little bit too restrictive and trying to be too healthy bordering on orthorexic tendencies and they're working out the quote doing all the right things and for the doctor to tell them it's just their fault they're not doing it hard enough or they're lying about their diet that just drives me insane oh that makes me so angry and what makes me makes me even more angry is seeing hypothalamic amenorrhea being misdiagnosed Mm -hmm. as pcos and i'm like okay well the struggle with that is with that then you're dealing with worsening psychological distress causing more havoc on somebody and like you've said, a lot of doctors just say, eat less, lose weight. And you if you say that to somebody with hypothalamic amenorrhea, somebody who potentially might already have psychological distress or disorder eating patterns, that is, that is throwing fire fluid on that fire. Agreed. And I can't really, um, I didn't really have any other tests at the time because I originally think I developed amenorrhea, hypothalamic amenorrhea initially. Um, and not loss of period due to PCOS. So it gets a little bit confusing because they can cross over. It is possible to have both. So there are some differing um, lab values that may suggest otherwise, but that's a very common issue. And you need thorough investigations to differentiate the two because the treatment protocol is quite different. Agreed. Okay, so I'm really excited to talk about this topic with you, hair mineral analysis testing. Mm -hmm. So what can hair mineral analysis test tell us about hormonal and thyroid disorders? So much. And I've only recently been getting into this like over the past six to 12 months. Before I knew the importance of certain minerals like zinc and magnesium, obviously, most people are aware of those things. But I didn't really understand how effective they are when they're in balance the whole body can function optimally when they're out of whack the whole body can be imbalanced so they really are like the spark plugs of the body and for the the testing that i use it's actually one of the cheapest functional lab tests and it's actually telling us on the most cellular deepest level what is going on with the system and i had a lot of clients that i'd been working with for months and we'd worked on their gut health support the liver all the basic things And they had a lot of improvement with certain things, but for some individuals, they were still having um, issues with irregular cycles or really heavy menstrual bleeding and pain. And we just couldn't figure it out. And then when we started to look at her tissue mineral analysis testing, this is when I started to see that there are a ton of, um, a ton of imbalances that could contribute to that. So in terms of hormones, some of the main imbalances that I see would be with um, copper, So having high copper or something called copper dysregulation, meaning that it's not necessarily high, but it can, your body's just not using it correctly for a number of reasons. High copper can lead to issues with estrogen dominance and also things like reoccurring thrush, 
infections in the body, yeast overgrowth, and a lot of mental health and anxiety issues. So I always want to rule that in or rule that out with my clients. Um, Zinc is another one. So we know that zinc is important for regulating androgens in the body, some of these male hormones that can be a bit dysfunctional in PCOS. And it also promotes ovulation and the release of an egg every month, and therefore progesterone levels. And zinc is also important for skin and particularly acne. But I see a lot of people as well just mega dosing zinc without really knowing what they're doing. And there's a lot of relationships with minerals that are very important. So if you just take zinc really high doses for a long period of time, you can actually start to deplete your copper. And I've just told you the the downsides of high copper, but too little copper is also a problem. And you can have issues with regulating histamine and your immune system on that end. And then for thyroid health, we know of the um, the key minerals that convert T4 to T3. Um, these would be like selenium and zinc. But a, a common issue that I see is a high calcium shell. So this doesn't mean that you're eating too many calcium-rich foods necessarily or supplementing too much with calcium. It's just that certain people have this pattern where instead of the calcium living in the bones and their teeth, where 99% of that should live, the calcium starts to build up in the soft tissue, which in extreme or long-term situations can cause calcification of the arteries and that can lead to um, cardiovascular complications. But on a minor level, it can cause issues with thyroid hormones and nutrients and energy getting into the cell. It kind of blocks, blocks the cell from accepting some of these nutrients in. So there's a thyroid ratio on the test, and that's showing the relationship between calcium and potassium. And usually with thyroid clients, I see a very high calcium level and very depleted potassium. And potassium is what's needed to get the hormones into the cell. So potassium gets it in, calcium blocks it. So that's another key thing that I check as well. And then heavy metals are also important. It's not the gold standard test for heavy metals. Um, If you wanted a full comprehensive panel, you would have to look at like a stool test as well um, and some other testing. But it can just be a a good insight into um, high levels of certain Um, heavy metals and common ones would be mercury and that has a big affinity to the thyroid gland and individuals with like Hashimoto's tend to have high levels of mercury whether that's coming from the diet and high intake of tuna and some of these large predatory fish or even dental amalgams can be a common um, source of mercury as well and then these metals actually poison enzymes in the system and our whole body runs off enzymes And these heavy metals also deplete nutrients as well. So there's a number of different things. And for a comprehensive look, if you've got symptoms all over, all over your body. So if you've got some symptoms in your brain, like brain fog, depression, anxiety. And then if you've got skin issues, you've got some digestive issues going on, you've got some blood sugar imbalances. This test, because minerals affect the whole entire body, can tell us about a lot of different systems. Whereas another test like a GI map, Yes, it is important to look at gut infections and everything, but you're not really looking at the bigger picture. So that's why I love the her tissue mineral analysis so much. Ooh, you are so good. Thank you so much for all that information. <laughs> yeah, I tend, with hair mineral analysis, there are so many benefits to it. 
And I would say I have attempted, I have done one before. I probably won't do one if, again if I need to because you have to cut off your hair, right? You have to cut mm-hmm. off right near your scalp to get the most recent hair tissue. But hands down, there are so many different heavy metals in our bodies and different minerals that can be imbalanced that can affect our overall health. I know for me in my practice, I see more copper Um, having too much copper, elevated copper in the body, whether that's um, because of a copper IUD, drinking water that's run through copper um, pipes, having a zinc deficiency, or even having a B6 or vitamin C deficiency. I see that a lot. I've only seen aluminum be elevated once. What would you say would be the most common mineral imbalance that you see or heavy metal toxicity? For minerals, usually really tanked or low levels of sodium and potassium. And they're usually the people who feel like they're doing everything. They've been eating this healthy diet for years, but they may have gone through a really intense period of stress, whether that's a divorce or even childbirth. So even though that's an amazing time, it is very stressful to the body. Or maybe they went through a period like me of over-exercising and under-eating. And during those times of stress, you really burn through these key electrolytes, sodium and potassium. And to get to where you need to be, that will take you years of an amazing diet. And bearing in mind, the soil quality is very poor these days. So there's not a lot of minerals in the soil anymore, sadly. So these are the people who have been, quote, doing all the right things but the levels of sodium and potassium are still very depleted. And it's not until we actually supplement with like an electrolyte support for a couple of months that they can get to where they need to be and then maintain with a healthy diet. Sometimes food alone isn't enough. And that's why I really love supplements. And then for heavy metals, I would say um, mercury is a common one. And I know that you just mentioned the stress of having to cut off your hair. I always feel really bad telling my clients, especially if they've dealt with hair loss, that I need a sample of the hair. But um, the other week on Instagram, I did a bit of a case study and I've actually saved this on, um, I think I saved this on my highlights. I'll have to double check. But she was really, really hesitant to give me a sample of her hair because she was obviously losing it. And we, again, tried a a lot of the, the basic things We'd been working together for around six months at that point. A lot of her skin issues had cleared up. Her mood was a lot better. She was binge eating less, but she still had this hair loss, which didn't really make sense to me. So this is when we went to the hair tissue mineral analysis and she had very high levels of a metal called uranium. And I don't usually see this too frequently, but it's very associated with hair loss. And she did have PCOS, so we'd ruled out the androgens being very high, So this metal was actually driving her hair loss. So for her to do the test and figure that out, yes, it was a problem, her having to cut the hair sample, but it was actually giving us the answers. And we think it may be coming from her drinking water because where she lives in Europe, it's known to have issues with um, the tap water and she hadn't yet purchased a filter like I'd suggested. And even like a shower filter would be great because if you're showering in some ways, um, it's a little bit worse than drinking the water. Because at least when you drink the water, it goes through two um, steps. It goes through the gut first, and then it goes through the liver. So you've already started to detoxify some of the harmful contaminants. Whereas if you are showering, you're in a hot, steamy shower. Your pores are actually opening up. You're inhaling that vapor into your lungs, and it's straight into the bloodstream. So in some ways, that's a little bit worse. But we can't avoid 
a lot of these metals they are in the environment and we can't avoid them completely but if we can control what we're exposed to in the home so purchasing a water filter an air filter buying organic as much as possible making sure that we have restored levels of minerals because these minerals kind of block metals from being absorbed as well and help with the detoxification of metals so that's the approach that I like to take Gotcha. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of water filters. I know for me, I just invested in a Berkey. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to have that one. You can check for your water quality online and that's always a great resource for checking to see if there's any heavy metals or contaminants in your water. But I'm a huge fan of just using a water filter regardless. It's better safe than sorry. So do you have a favorite water filter? Yeah, I love the Berkey as well. Oh, awesome. Do you have the Royal or the Travel? Um, I think it's just called the Big Berkey. I don't know if they're a little bit different. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the Big Berkey. It's just a big, a bigger size. I wish I would have gotten that one. Yeah, I, I go through it. I use it for like cooking and drinking, obviously. Um, so I use it all the time. It's definitely worth it. Good. Awesome. Well, I wanted to ask you one more thing in regards to the hair mineral analysis, because you mentioned calcium. You mentioned thyroid disorders. Do you think there is any specific reason why calcium builds up? It can sometimes be due to a vitamin K deficiency. So vitamin K is what's needed to transport that calcium from the soft tissue into the bones. And a lot of people are megadosing with vitamin D and these fat-soluble vitamins actually need to be in balance. So vitamin A, D, E and K are the fat-solubles. And if you just supplement with one like the zinc and copper thing it can throw off the other one and also it's a two-way street with the thyroid issue i tend to find that obviously the calcium in high levels can block thyroid hormone from getting into the cell but having a thyroid issue and chronic stress can sometimes drive the calcium shell so i tend i kind of see it being a two-way street uh Gotcha. Yeah, very important. You guys, if you ever take a vitamin D to have adequate levels of K2, uh, you never want to imbalance vitamin D, K2, calcium, because they all integrate with parathyroid hormone and bone mineral metabolism. And we don't want that calcium being sequestered from your bones and having you develop brittle bones or osteoporosis. So be very careful. Um, I'm really excited to chat about this next topic because I know my listeners are going to be stoked about it. So we are going to talk about acne. So let's chat about the hormonal and inflammatory and diet connections with acne. Specifically, let's start with diet because we know, both you and I know, that is a huge critical component for the development of acne. So what are some top foods that cause acne? Definitely. And I agree. Food really is medicine, but sometimes it's not enough. So I think we'll get on to like the other things that could be going on, but diet is really where you need to start. So food wise, um, a little bit different for everyone. For example, um, with me, I have um, a histamine issue. So the healthiest foods in the world actually drive acne for me, which may not be something at all that you need to look into. So please don't start here if you're just coming from like a standard American diet. But, um, for example, avocados, dark chocolate, um, bone broth, collagen, walnuts, spinach, all really made my acne a million times worse. And I was thinking that I was doing the best thing. I thought I was detoxing. I thought it was like a a die-off reaction at first, but it was really a chronic inflammatory response from my body. But for most people, I tend to see that gluten dairy and refined sugars are usually the big things that 
uh, very common inflammatory foods and just really don't promote um, health for some people even though dairy can have some benefits Um, with acne it can just drive um, sebum production and if you're going into going into it with hormone imbalances remember that dairy is a hormonal fluid so you're just adding things on top of an already imbalanced system but it may not be forever that you need to eliminate the dairy but always limiting refined sugar as much as possible and with gluten they've done studies and found that everyone who consumed gluten in a particular study had a inflammatory reaction in the gut to it so i don't think that you're gonna develop any deficiencies from cutting out bread and some of these things from your diet it's probably actually gonna benefit your health more to cut it out or at least avoid it and especially if you've got a family history of autoimmune conditions whether that's psoriasis rheumatoid arthritis Hashimoto's it's best to keep it at a minimum because we know the connection with um, leaky gut and gut inflammation with some of these conditions as well. And then things to do or foods to increase to support overcoming acne. Um, I would say a big focus on blood sugar regulation by consuming protein, healthy fats and fiber at every meal. So some examples of protein, I'm sure your audience know, but um, I'm a big fan of animal protein and I don't really promote a vegan diet, especially if you're dealing with some of these guts and hormone imbalances, mineral imbalances, uh, very prevalent on a vegan and vegetarian diet. So eggs, fish, meats, organ meats are a particularly amazing food if um, you're into eating things like liver and they have very high levels of nutrients like zinc and vitamin A, which are amazing for immunity. And with all of this coronavirus that's going on, <laughs> I'm telling everyone, eat the eat the organ meats. Not that it's going to like cure it or anything, but just really protect your immune system. And they're really cheap and inexpensive and usually accessible to the majority of people. And then your healthy fats are going to be things like olive oil and grass-fed butter or ghee, if you can do that. Same with avocados, if you can tolerate them. Nuts and seeds could be great for some people as well. And then fiber, um, non-starchy vegetables, cruciferous vegetables could be great to help with liver detoxification. Um, and then carbohydrates vary depending on what's going on, like the quant- um, the intake, the quantity, number of grams, all of that. But sticking with the whole real food versions, limiting the gluten, as I've just said. Perfection. So glad you mentioned that. So to my listeners... What I see most is people just not fueling their body with enough micronutrients, enough leafy greens, colorful fruits and vegetables, and eating too much of what causes them specific food intolerances. So Mm. then we're looking at um, anything, whether that be gluten or eggs or the high histamine foods, like you said, all the way to even sulfates and sulfites. So it's definitely going to be person by person dependent. But I'm really, really glad you also mentioned that intestinal permeability because with intestinal permeability, aka leaky gut, then we have both the good guys and the bad guys coming into the bloodstream, causing havoc, causing inflammation, and that can also create pseudo-intolerances and wreak even further inflammation and havoc on the body. And then, of course, that's going to contribute to acne and skin issues because your skin manifests in that inflammation, it's that response, that purging, saying, hey, something here is wrong. There's inflammation. Help me. So to my listeners, with acne, yes, it's crippling. I've had acne, and I hate acne, and it's really annoying. But you have to think, 
that acne is actually your body's sign that it's trying to get you to say, hello, help me, there's something wrong. Like, fix the situation that we are in. So definitely think of it that way. Um, Glad you mentioned fat quality, specifically those omega-3 fats, because as nutritionists, we know that omega-3 fatty acid deficiency results in things like chicken skin, eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, really exacerbates these skin issues. So I'm very glad you mentioned that. And then I did want to um, also mention with acne, you guys, it's it's always what is going into your body, but it's, it's also what is going on outside of your body as well. So stress can heavily induce some good acne, right? So definitely make sure you guys are trying to focus on stress management, doing everything you can to take care of yourself. And then with skin topicals, please do not over exfoliate your skin. You're going to create damage on your skin. I've been there. I know that I have screwed my skin up because of adding on topicals and thinking it was all diet related and blaming like stupid things that I did not need to blame um thinking that was the issue when in reality it was just you know using too much of a AHA or glycolic acid serum same here I think everyone's been through the phase of like you notice some improvements with some exfoliation so then you end up doing it twice a day yeah and then you do the clay mask and the exfoliating acids and then the scrubs and then your skin gets so inflamed and you're actually drying it out so it yep. will produce more sebum and that's just a recipe for disaster. And then you, the first thing you blame is the food. You're like, oh, <laughs> it's it's that that I ate yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, the struggle. What's the most common forms of acne that you see in your clients? Um, usually the kind of cystic deep under the skin acne on the lower part of the face. Mm, so I do agreed. work a lot with hormone imbalances um, and gut health. And there are some different patterns on the face that can indicate different problems. So the forehead could be associated with the guts and the cheeks could be associated with allergies and inflammation in the body. Whereas the lower part of the face, I think people recognize this, like hormonal breakouts on the chin, the jaw, sometimes the neck, even on the chest and the back. And this could be due to elevations in androgens, so these male hormones like DHEA, testosterone, um, DHEA-S, maybe high cortisol as well, or just low progesterone. So maybe not necessarily estrogen or estrogen dominance, but I see low progesterone very um, very commonly. And progesterone's amazing. You only get that if you're ovulating, so if you're on the pill or you have um, some issues with your hormones, you want to check your progesterone because this is anti-inflammatory, anti-anxiety. It's like the chill pill hormone. And um, we really want to get a good 12 to 14 days of that every single month. We need our progesterone. She is our calming hormone. If we do not have her, that is a recipe for what I call hanger and being anxiety ridden. That's for sure. Yeah. And even like water retention, if you feel like you're going up a dress size every month before your period and you're craving all the sugar and you can't sleep you're feel you don't want to leave the house but you feel like you want to kill everyone at the same time that's usually due to low progesterone very much so so with the cystic acne what do you think are the best ways to test or address the cystic acne yeah you definitely want to figure out what's going on because everyone is so different 
that are the basics of cleaning up your diet, obviously, those things that we mentioned, uh, removing the inflammatory foods, the refined sugars, balancing your blood sugar. Sleep is really important, and I don't think it's emphasized enough. That is really the only time that we heal and repair and detoxify and uh, regenerate. Skin cells get turned over, our liver goes through detoxification during that time, whereas during the day we're kind of in breakdown mode. And I'd rather actually someone, rather than waking up at 4 or 5 a.m. to go to a really intense workout class, sometimes I'd actually want them to sleep in, get that extra recovery, than um, like kill themselves at the gym, especially if they've got a really hectic lifestyle. Um, I'd rather them skip the workout, if I'm honest. And sometimes like cutting caffeine for a period of time. I do understand that coffee and things like matcha have some health benefits, but if you're working um, working really hard and you've got a stressful life and you're doing some of these intense workouts, sometimes adding caffeine on top of that can just be a little bit too much. And I've had just some clients cut out caffeine and that's cleared up their skin. Usually it's not that simple, but just an important point. Definitely managing the stress, um, but testing-wise, depending on um, obviously someone's budget and what stands out to me as a priority um that would be needed to be taken into consideration um but something like a a gi map to look into their gut if they're experiencing digestive issues but even if not if they've got um some signs of skin issues usually does come back to the gut even if you feel that fine digestively that would help me look at parasites and bacterial overgrowths and low levels of stomach acid and enzymes and then Maybe a Dutch test could be good to see your hormones comprehensively because blood testing for hormones isn't great. You need to time them time them at a certain time. They don't check enough markers and um, doctors just don't look at things like the metabolism of hormones either, which is sometimes even more important, especially if there's some sort of family history of breast cancer, fibroids, endometriosis. You want to check on your estrogen metabol- metabolization. And then the her tissue test could be great to look at minerals like zinc and magnesium and basic blood work from your GP or doctor as well, um, like a vitamin D level. Um, are you severely iron deficient? Do you have um, enough B12, enough folate? So those would be the key things. Oh, and a thyroid panel as well. Even if you're in your 20s or 30s, people think thyroid issues only start when you're in your 50s or 60s and you have to be overweight and physically look like someone who has a thyroid issue but I see a lot of people with underlying thyroid autoimmunity uh, maybe low levels of t3 and that alone can affect skin cell turnover and mess with your hormones slow detoxification down so thyroid a full thyroid panel which isn't usually done as well unless you ask for it make sure you get a comprehensive thyroid panel including the antibodies tpo and tg agreed yes We need those antibodies because what can happen is if you don't check for those antibodies, then you can have havoc wreak out on your thyroid. And you could have normal levels of TSH, free T4, free T3, but have high antibodies, not catch that. And then you have damage being created to your thyroid, thinking your body's totally normal. And then down the line, you have depletion in your thyroid hormones, but most importantly, you have damage to your thyroid. And then you're... You have to use medication in order to get the adequate thyroid hormone you need for the rest of your life. So always good to check those antibodies. Yeah, and this could be happening for decades. 
people keep going to the doctor, they say, I, I don't feel well, I'm feeling a little bit more sluggish and depressed, and the doctor checks their thyroid. There's a huge issue with the reference ranges, by the way, but um, doctors are just waiting for your TSH to get to a certain level mm-hmm. before they diagnose you and can give you a medication. So there's women every year, it's not outside of the um, conventional ranges, but it's creeping up, creeping up, creeping up, antibodies aren't being checked. And then 10 years later, maybe they go through a stressful time and that really sends their thyroid out of range. And then they're finally given a diagnosis, but they could have prevented that from that situation from happening if they would have tested sooner. Agreed. So let's dive into that digestion aspect that we mentioned. So we know gut infections, SIBO, candida, small intestinal fungal overgrowth, all these things can, of course, exacerbate acne, can exacerbate that or create thyroid disorders, hormonal dysregulation. But let's dive into the ones that are not, not necessarily talked about more times so parasites and pathogens so what can occur and what have you seen cause chaos in your patients with parasites and pathogens yeah parasites are really common people think that you need to have gone to a third world country to pick them up or had severe food poisoning and um, been tested for your doctor but a lot of the times they're missed the stool tests that are done from conventional doctors are just looking for things like blood severe um dangerous parasites like giardia and markers of inflammation bowel disease cancer markers which are all important but a lot of the people i see have been ruled out negative for all of those and it's not until we do like a a comprehensive functional panel that looks at not the life-threatening parasites but more of the chronic parasites like dentamoeba fragilis um blastocystis hominis these are all very common and are very linked to ibs so IBS is a wastebasket term. They just give you that if they've ruled out some of these more serious conditions. And they're just told that it's something you're going to have to live with. But my thoughts are what what is driving the irritability in your bowels? Irritable bowel syndrome, there's something in there. Is it a food? Is it a critter? Um, is it stress? We need, to, <laughs> we, we need to figure it out. And these all can have similar symptoms. So bloating, for example, can be caused by low stomach acid, caused by food sensitivity, it can be caused by a parasite. So we need to test and not guess, figure out what it is, and that can speed up the process and can help me as a practitioner give you the correct treatment protocol. So parasites are key, Um, definitely small intestine bacterial overgrowth, candida, H. pylori is another one as well. So this is a bacteria that lives in the stomach and it survives by shutting down your stomach acid production. And we need nice, strong stomach acid levels to um, disinfect our food and absorb particularly minerals and proteins, amino acids. We need a pH of like two, which is similar to battery acid. So between one and two, whereas most people with chronic stress and H. pylori infections have a pH of like three and four, which is very weak. It's heading more towards the alkaline level and having low stomach acid leads to nutrient deficiencies and it can set your gut up to um, be at risk of infections because if you're not disinfecting your food then you've got no first line of defense to protect you against parasites and stop bacteria from overgrowing in your small intestine so we need to figure out whether this is a factor or not 
clear the H. pylori, then your body should be strong enough to build its own stomach acid again. And they've done studies, and there's a definite link with H. pylori and thyroid issues, um, small intestine bacterial overgrowth and acne, parasites and IBS, as I said. So the the research is out there, but it's just not in conventional doctor's hands at the moment, probably in like 50 years' time, but <laughs> so a while to wait. I'm so, so glad you keep mentioning testing and not guessing, making sure we're going over the correct treatment because that's so important, right? If somebody has SIBO, they need a different treatment approach than if they have a parasite or H. pylori. So it's really important to tailor their approach based on what the whole issue is. And I understand that testing is expensive and that puts people off, mm-hmm. but I always say, do you want to just speed health. it up? Exactly. Like, do you want to um, struggle with these symptoms and probably have them get worse over time when they're left unchecked? And you're probably spending hundreds of pounds on like skincare products and um, supplements and herbs every month. So why not put that money towards a test, actually figure out what's going on, and then you can speed things up and you'll actually save time, money and stress in the long run. Agreed. I know I recently had a client and I was like, okay, we we really need to get this test done. You have all these symptoms. I suspect SIBO, but I can't diagnose you with SIBO and I don't want to do anything until we know what's going on. I know this is expensive. I know it's an investment, but I know that we are going to get some really good answers. We had the test done and lo and behold, all she had was H. pylori. And with that H. pylori, then that's three to four weeks of treatment and bam, we can eradicate it versus doing some SIBO protocol that can last up to eight weeks. And then that could not even be the whole issue. You know, the H. pylori would still be there. So it's very, very important. Always test you guys. Exactly. Especially when it comes to the guts. Yes. And don't try and do it yourself as much as like, even for me, I'm, I'm a dietitian, but I would never go about trying to fix my own digestive disorder or trying to follow my own um, diagnostic solutions GI map. Like, you always have to have a second eye. Same here. Yeah, I always outsource when it comes to my own health. And sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees because you're looking like at the very specific things. You're really looking at the um, surface level problems. Like, oh, shall I try this supplement? Do I need this? And you're actually missing some key things. So you're probably not sleeping. You're probably spending too much time on social media and it's not until someone with an outside outlook and perspective will tell you that you're missing some of these foundational problems. Agreed. I know for me, um, my whole thyroid disorder, my hypothyroidism developed because of stress. And I was getting more tired and more tired and everything. It, was, it wasn't until shit hit the fan that I was like, okay, hey, I am in burnout mode. But you don't realize what's going on in your day-to-day life. It takes having a second eye. So always make sure you have somebody to help. Um, I did want to ask you, what are the most common mistakes you see in both testing and treatment? Mm, in regards yeah. to gut so many, disorders. So many things. Um, again, not looking at the big picture. So a lot of people, even practitioners, are acting or treating very much like conventional doctors. So instead of using antibiotics, they just use herbs. So they use a green or natural alternative, which is fine. But take SIBO, for example, a lot of people are having issues with reoccurring SIBO. They can't clear it. They clear SIBO and then something else pops up. 
And it's because they're just taking round after round of herbal antimicrobials, like garlic and berberine, um, which can be effective, but you need to look systemically. So a lot of the time people have low stomach acid or they are chronically stressed or maybe they have issues with their gallbladder and the bioflow and that's causing the bacteria to build up. So taking a step back and looking at the big picture, um, even when you're trying to address some of these things naturally. And then diet-wise, people can become very restrictive with their diet because they just remove food group after food group, trying to figure out what the food sensitivities are, and then they end up with like 10 foods. And you're never going to heal when you're on a limited diet like that. You need nutrients and calories and energy to fuel your thyroid and promote your gut motility and support detoxification. You need tons of minerals. So that's another factor as well, just restricting too much. And that weakens the immune system and makes it even harder for you to overcome some of these problems. And with infections as well, if you feel like your infections are reoccurring or, again, you treat one thing and then something else pops up and it just feels like you're in a never-ending circle or cycle and you can't steer away from your supplement regime, you can't have a meal out without feeling like you're going to die, like bloating and intense reactions if you skip a day of um, your workout or your supplement schedule. That's kind of how I was getting at one point. I was really doing well at um, managing my symptoms naturally. But I was wondering, like, why do I have to really support my detoxification every single day? Why do I need to spend hundreds of pounds every month on supplements? And if I skip them or if I eat out, I really notice a difference. And that's really not normal. You do really have to manage these things, especially if you have a condition like PCOS, like I do. You do need to be mindful and promotes your health ongoing but you shouldn't have to be so strict about it and that's what made me look a little bit deeper over the past few months and figuring out that I have issues with um, my environment so mold illness and that's what was driving um, SIBO to return and that's what was clogging up my liver every day and um, causing me to have food sensitivities and that's a common one with yeast and candida as well so if you have um, UTIs or thrush all the time, you have fungal toenails, jock itch, maybe reoccurring candida in the gut, you just can't clear it, or very high levels. It could be due to mould, so fungus, mould in the environment, it's maybe just exposing you to that on a daily basis. Or if you have parasites that are very stubborn, it could be that you have heavy metals that you haven't looked at and maybe you need to do a herd tissue mineral analysis and the gallbladder and SIBO connection. So all very holistic with my approach. And for me personally, very recently, that's really been drilled into my thinking and I was uh, missing this even for myself. And that's just really emphasized the the importance of looking even deeper, looking for the root cause and then the root cause of the root cause. I love that. Very, very important. And going back just so I can make a note, you guys, with the restriction, the over-restriction of foods and food groups with trying to solve digestive issues, whether that's SIBO, candida, whatever it is, or even given for IBS or IBD, I am sick of seeing FODMAP be pushed. Please. Oh, yeah. FODMAP, low FODMAP diets are not supposed to be something that you stick to for the rest of your life. You need 
good FODMAPs, you need fiber in order to feed the good guys in your gut. If you don't have that adequate fiber, you are putting yourself at risk for low uh, variety in your gut bacteria, and we need that variety in order to have a healthy gut. You're also putting yourself at risk for hormonal disorders, and you're also, of course, not getting a huge variety of micronutrients. And then going back to what you said, with all these different um, bacteria, everything that can go on, we need to make sure that we are adequately digesting our foods and absorbing our foods because you are not what you eat. You are what you digest and absorb and assimilate into your body and into the cells of your body. So that's where things can go crazy, things that block the assimilation and absorption of nutrients or interact. Maybe there's not a coenzyme that is needed. Maybe there's a blockage of um, ATP being produced, energy in your body because you don't have thyroid production because there's something blocking the thyroid like calcium. So there's so many things. You have to make sure that you are doing everything that you can in order to properly digest, absorb, and assimilate your food. Absolutely. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast, for sharing all your knowledge. Can you tell my listeners where they can find you, follow you, and then work with you if they would like to? Yeah, thanks, Lisa. This has been really great. Um, I have a podcast. It's called the Hormones in Harmony podcast. And similar to you, interview um, guests on the areas of expertise and do a few solo episodes on there as well. So if you have issues with PCOS, PMS, um, fertility issues, hair loss, acne, all of that, uh, any hormone imbalance i really cover it on there um and then on instagram you can find me at viva natural health v-i-v-a natural health um same with my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and i have a ton of free guides um, on some of these subjects so which tests are needed um, for pcos and how to support your stomach acid levels how to do a coffee enema even if you're into doing some in- intense detoxification i absolutely love coffee enemas So I'm very holistic in my approach um, and I think you guys will really enjoy the podcast as well. But thank you, Lacey. You'll have to go on mine sometime as well. I would be honored to. Thank you so much, you guys. Definitely make sure you check out her podcast. We chatted about skin. She definitely has acne, hair loss podcasts, as well as a really good one. I loved that episode that you did with, um, I think her name was Sarah for the topical skincare Yes, she's the best. So good, so good. I was like, praise, and I was like, yes, people need to hear this. (laughs) So you guys, there's a part two. There's a part two of Q and A as well. If you've missed that one, she's yeah, she's a good friend. I really love her work. Well, I will have to check that out. I know what I'm doing today. Then, (laughs) (laughs) awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Lacey.